Hello and welcome to Geek Sweat. We are the news, reviews and interviews podcast and today we are broadcasting live and direct from the Advocacy Academy. The Advocacy Academy is an activist youth movement of leaders fighting for justice and equality. They serve as the political home for grassroots youth organising and the catalyst for collective action. They exist in the heart of southwest London in Brixton. You can find them on the website www.theadvocacy.com Hello and welcome back to Geek Sweat where we're bringing you another episode of news reviews and film interviews. Today our episode is specialising in the hot topic and today's hot topic is Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Joining me today are Kingdom and MKH. So welcome back Kingdom. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming back on the show. Really appreciate you being here. How's things going with you? Yeah, really good. New venue. Exciting. Nice, nice, nice. And MKH, thanks for joining us again as well. Yes, um, it's nice to be part of a actual hot topic that is ready to burn our fingers. <laughs> okay, well, I am really glad that you specifically are on the show because I know you're a big uh, comic book to film adaptation fan uh, you've got some comic book nows and you've also got plenty to say about the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe as well as the DC uh, Extended Universe Extended Universe as it's called yeah um, thanks for correcting me the DC uh, Overextended Universe <laughs> I think we could call it <laughs> exactly. and it is overextended to some extent because uh, the Zack Snyder cut or the Snyder cut we're talking about um, which is a response to hashtag release the Snyder cut has come in as a film which I'll just try and bring up the total again I think it's four hours and 12 minutes is that correct it was a ridiculously bum numbing <laughs> amount of time yeah. watching one film I must say before we get into it um, well, it's, t- it's 242 minutes I don't know how why that's converted into four yeah. hours uh, okay so that's four hours and two minutes then right. yeah maybe 10 minutes was just like rewinding the credits and did that I mean really can happen? we just say some other films that are shorter than the Schneider cut of Justice League um, Schindler's List Gandhi <laughs> Mandela Carlito's Way yeah that was two and a half hours I think um, probably uh, one of the Lord of the Rings was shorter than LA Confidential yeah yeah that was another long one um, Titanic Jesus what? Christ Superstar well uh, almost certainly what, what was the one that, um, Martin Scorsese oh no, the no Irishman. That was about wait four. wait can we do the Irishman versus Justice League Find out which of these behemoths okay, okay. is actually the longest. No, I think I think no, I think uh, the Irishman is is uh, slightly shorter than this. Wow, uh, I'm gonna just he's, he's really crossed a line there. Yeah, wow, that is crazy. And this is the one that was recommended to watch in installments. So after two hours twenty six Goodfellas, two hours fifty eight Casino, three hours The Wolf of Wall Street. Martin Scorsese went back in again for the old timers of Robert De Niro and. Al Pacino with a three hour and 29 minute The Irishman. Wow. So are we saying that Justice League is 40 minutes longer than The Irishman? Um, Yes. I'm just going to type that in. That is incredible. It's so funny. So like (laughs) the the DOP said to um, uh, Zack Schneider, uh, how long should I allow the camera to record before and after a take? And And Zack Schneider Schneider said, said, yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So coming back into it. Months later, it's like, cut. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> As you know, before we get into it, that yeah. reminds me of when we did that independent film at, at, over at um, Ithaca House. Yeah, yeah. Um, he went to see her again, and oh, the, yeah. and Ricardo, the director, never said cut. <laughs> <laughs> After the scene, we would just be waiting there. Yeah. And then. Uh, <laughs> The DOP is like, okay, yeah. cut. Yeah. And Ricardo's like, oh my goodness, I cannot make my own film. Yeah, it's one, one of those films where the whole cast has to break the fourth wall to end the scene. Um, so yeah, just coming back in, um, Justice League, uh, the one that got released in 2019, two hours long. Uh, Wonder Woman, the first edition featuring Gal Gadot, two hours, 21 minutes. Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, 2 hours 31, and Zack Snyder's Justice League, officially four hours and two minutes. Right. So, what does that tell us? Uh, we really need to use that www.runp.com app before you watch that film. <laughs> well, it, wasn't it suggested, in, in Zack's um, defence, wasn't it suggested that he, he split it up into different chapters so you could... Go because what was originally supposed to happen? HBO Max was supposed to release it week by week. Yep. Right. And then they just ended up saying, "Oh fuck it, we'll just throw it all out." So I think mm. it was the idea that it was going to be an hour episode for four weeks straight. Wait, so yeah. this was made for HBO and it wasn't made for a theatrical? No, release. it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was supposed to be four episodes. Ended up on HBO Max, and then obviously when it came to the UK, it ended up just. The whole mm. thing on on Sky Atlantic or whatever the hell it's on, so I think that is the way I defend it at least. Mm. Because by any stretch of the imagination, even though there are some people that could watch a whole series of uh, a Netflix drama, for example, you series three, eight hours in one day, yeah, and they 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 won't complain. But there is something about a a film, well, it is a film, yeah, a piece of art that has film aesthetics it is is some there's a kind of, of heaviness to yeah it, isn't yeah there? exactly which mm. has to be broken down it should not be four hours straight at all mm. um but yeah i just wanted to okay i mean i really appreciate it as well um uh, I, I mean should we like pull back and get the background to this story yeah before we go any yeah. further well, yeah. there's, there's two backgrounds um i think one I think both of them have to be said uh, in Zack Snyder's defense before we give any critique of the film. Um, the first one's the technical aspect. So Zack Snyder is a longtime film director. He's been around uh, doing stuff according to his IMDb since 1989, but... Um, he first really came to prominence in 2004 with well, Dawn, Dawn of, the, of Dead. the Dead. Yeah, which was an excellent film that I saw at the cinema. And uh, he, as did I. And he has got a lot of comic book to film adaptation experience. He put 300 onto the screen. Uh, I think it was the Arthur Miller story, I think. I might have got that name wrong, but it's 300. Frank Miller, isn't it? Frank Miller, thank yeah. you very much. Uh, that was came out in 2006. He did DC's... Watchmen, written and acclaimed as a graphic novel by Alan Moore and uh, Dave Gibbons. In 2009, he put out Man of Steel, which was the first individual uh, Superman story that came out after the uh, Christopher Nolan got involved with Batman. So that came out in 2013. And then in 2016, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. So he already had a pedigree of films um, specifically in that genre. Would you agree? Uh, yes. I mean, the one thing I'd say about that list is yeah. it seems like a list of films that's actually getting worse and worse. Over sure, time. sure. Also, there's a fantastic theory. So, like, it's called Batman v Superman. Yeah, yeah. So it's not versus. So that's why you could get away with not having a long fight in it. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> it's sure. more... They're um, against each other. Yeah, exactly. But v's. not 
fighting yeah, exactly. against that, each other. I think that's yeah. how they got away with it. Yeah. But yeah, it has got progressively I worse. I don't think we need to make any excuses for that film whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's safe to say that uh, Zack Schneider had a style. And a competency or a known competency for making those His films. competency is for composition. It's yeah, not exactly. for storytelling yeah, exactly. or sure. directing actors. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's yeah. more... He, it's fantastic to look at. Yeah, it's it's like going to uh, Paris Fashion Week. Like all these all <laughs> yeah. these people are fantastic to look at, but yeah, yeah. having a conversation with them is where you're yeah, going to drop yeah, a yeah. few brain cells. Yeah, um, and I think that is his Achilles' heel. That is yeah. a very interesting analogy because it is like a catwalk of DC's greatest superheroes. Not necessarily doing anything great, but wearing yeah. the costumes, it does memorable images, and gesticulating. Yeah. And there's no way someone like Zack Schneider could exist in the, um, the Marvel universe because Marvel, especially Kevin Feige, exerts a significant amount of control of the output of any film that comes out of Marvel. Mm. And that is the exact reason why uh, Shaun of the Dead director... Um, Edgar Wright. Edgar, Edgar Wright got sacked from the first Ant-Man yeah. because of creative differences with... Because yeah. um, obviously Edgar Wright is another person known for... I want the film this way. This yeah. is how I'm writing it and this is how I'm directing it. And he did get to the point, I think, where he managed to release a teaser trailer or concept trailer of Ant-Man running down a corridor, going small, yeah, going and then running onto a gun barrel and then going big and flipping the guy around. Oh, yeah, so like cool. some of the best bits in the actual Ant-Man, even though this is not Ant-Man review, but yeah, some yeah. of the best bits in Ant-Man were by Edgar Wright, especially when you, the storytelling bit where other people are mouthing the original person's storytelling, uh, that is definitely all Edgar Wright. But um, yeah. going back to um, Zack Schneider. Oh, yeah, you were yeah. going to say what, why this film came to, to be. Yeah, so um, Zack Snyder, he had the technical competence had, had uh, or a visual competence to make the film. Um, unfortunately, during the film production of Justice League, which on his IMDb credits, he's got a 2017 one, which is, I'm assuming, the a shorter version or a teaser version of the film, but he did make a, a version of Justice League, but he couldn't bring it to fruition um, in 2020. Unfortunately, there was tragic circumstances that befell his family, where unfortunately his filmmaker, this filmmaker's daughter died, um, um, unfortunately through suicide in March of... Um, sorry if I got the year wrong. Sorry, 2017, my apologies. Um, so this filmmaker... Zack Snyder's daughter died in March 2017 and uh, he needed to, like anyone would, to take a massive break from uh, the work he was on. He had filmed a significant amount of the work, but obviously tragedy and uh, giving him time to grieve. Uh, he needed to step away from the project and other decisions were made during his absence. And, and obviously uh, that's something that we would never belittle or make fun of. It's a tragedy that none of us would wish on anyone. Mm. So our criticism of Zack Schneider is entirely separate from those circumstances. Sure. Was it not finished? I always assumed it was finished, but what had happened, um, Warner Brothers saw the reaction to Batman v Superman because Batman v Superman came out and they were, they were in production filming yeah. Justice League while Batman v Superman came out and sure. they saw the reaction to that. Yeah. They said, okay, yeah. we need to change a lot of... So I thought it was a complete film. Well, I'm going to use a Hollywood Reporter uh, article uh, promoted on 22nd of May 2017 where Zack Snyder actually literally says in a quote, I decided to take a step back from the movie to be with my family, be with my kids who really need me. Um, on his behalf, a Hollywood Reporter said, 
Snyder tells the Hollywood Reporter he's stepping away from Justice League, uh, all-star DC comic superhero mega movie that was that is in post-production in order to deal with the sudden death of his daughter. So this is a little bit like uh, Stanley Kubrick when he passed away at the end of the filming of Eyes Wide Shut and he was already into the post-production phase and some people had to take over the editing position for him. So it goes on, this article goes on to say... Um, sorry if I could just find my place again stepping in to shepherd the movie through post and the shooting of some additional scenes will be Joss Whedon at the time he was the Avengers filmmaker and creator of Buffy the Vampire Slayer with Whedon's help the movie is still on track for its November 17th release date that was in 2017 okay and um, before we deep dive into the Schneider cut can we and Justice League at that time was a 12A two-hour film that got released in 2017 as helmed by uh, Joss Whedon. Yeah, so Joss, Joss Whedon came in and shot a significant amount of scenes. Which IMDb still credits as a director film for Zack Snyder. Which is bollocks, because even though he shot the same scene, he added in significant jokes. Um, you, you, you can see visibly that... Um, uh, ben Affleck wasn't in the best shape of his life. I think he was going through another. Um, uh, I think he relapsed. Yeah, yeah, he, re- yeah, he relapsed. Yeah, so he had well. relapsed at that moment, and he 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 had become disillusioned with um, the whole Batman uh, feedback because he was supposed to write, direct, and star in his own Batman, which has now become the Batman starring Robert Patterson, yeah. um, and. Also, we have the infamous um, scene where they decided <laughs> decided to CGI um, a moustache. A mist- well, it was a whole fucking beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just a moustache. Yeah. They, they made his whole face play, though. Yeah, <laughs> it was just kind of ridiculous when you actually go and watch um, the Mission Impossible, the, mi- the Mission Impossible film. You're like, which is impossible to no, show. What the fuck? Why would you even do that? Just say, all right, just, just forget it. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's his name? Is Henry Cavill. Yeah, Henry. Yeah. Just forget it. We'll, we'll do it without you. You're well, going to bring him back to CGI's whole bloody face. Well, I think looking at Hollywood hierarchy, we definitely know where Tom Cruise stands above Zack Snyder when it comes to <laughs> getting things done, doesn't it? Well, it, it was contractual, actually. That's why you yeah. couldn't cut it. But then again, mm. you'd think, like, that's so petty. You could just always mm. grow it back. That's yeah. how facial hair mm. <laughs> That's how it works, works right? Yeah. Like, that's how it operates. <laughs> but yeah, I, who... who who what what uh production house makes Mission Impossible? Because it's obviously not Warner Brothers. Oh, could... Bad Robot, because he's connected with J.J. Uh, Abrams. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, they're obviously being the most petty you could ever be. Yeah, we're not shaving his face. Go, go. Yeah. You can imagine like the memos that were flying back and forth about this <laughs> <Yeah>. moustache. <laughs> <laughs> the I want to say one thing though. That I mean, even in the very first minute of Zack Snyder's Justice League, um, the story is completely different because. I remember um, watching the first Justice League and it's about, um, I think it opens with uh, Batman kind of approaching or about to apprehend a criminal and a criminal, he doesn't quite apprehend or beat up the criminal properly and like the criminal says, oh, he's dead, isn't he? And they're referring to Superman and he's kind of gone, disappeared, but we don't know why or how it happened and we end Mm. up with this kind of lovelorn or not lovelorn kind of grief-stricken and forlorn character of um, Bruce Wayne not really giving his full effort uh, because he's distracted as Batman whereas 
in Zack Snyder's Justice League, you have the magnificent, epic, um, slow motion free frame or freeze frame of uh, the heroes in action trying to tackle Darkseid. And um, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it, it actually features all of the major players from Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Batman, all in mid-fight against Darkseid, who has, I think he's pierced Superman's heart with a spear at the beginning. And it yes. starts with the echo of the screen just going across... Well, that's not dark. So that's that's doomsday because that is that is from Batman v Superman. So the begin the the beginning of the Snyder cut is basically the end because that's what Zack Snyder likes to do. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's what Zack Snyder likes to do. So you see it the beginning of Batman v Superman is basically the ending of Man of Steel. Sure. So Justice League is the beginning of Justice League is essentially the end End of of Man of Steel. Batman Batman versus Superman where Doomsday pierces his heart with his fucking sharp sharp ass elbows like those are some like those are the elbows you want to see in the UFC he'd be good on the northern line wouldn't he (laughs) exactly sorry I did get it Uh, but yeah so that that beginning featured um, because I don't think Aquaman wasn't there at that time it was the Holy Trinity so it was only Wonder Woman Batman and Superman scream scream across the universe I'm dead I'm the last Kryptonian you can come and fuck this planet up Thank you very much. Yeah. I really appreciate you correcting me there. Um, so yeah, it, so opening the film, uh, what, what I was trying to get across is the stakes of, uh, are like set as high as you can be and you kind of get to realise the scale of the film. This isn't just like two guys talking on the top of a roof about the events that are about to, to be foretold. This is about um, galaxy and universe changing implications of fighting kind of world eating characters as it were so do you think like tonally um joss whedon kind of missed the trick or like especially to kind of fit in his like sly jokes and one-liners about the scale of what justice league was about um i think the original 2017 release basically uh basically condensed the main reason why josh uh, Whedon could never have directed um, Infinity War or Endgame okay. yeah. because it's totally different tone, and you see it with the Schneider cut. This is there's no, I, I don't think I, I heard one joke during the four hours yeah. of the Schneider cut. Whereas Josh Whedon likes to undercut absolutely everything yeah. that happens on screen to the point where he reduced, um, I think, even the stakes of Flash saving the universe to him saving just a Russian family that were yeah, exactly. living in a crumbling yeah, house. Yeah, exactly. Like, mm. who, who would have noticed if those four people had died? Like, Flash yeah. like, he has become a C player within the Justice League when he's the fastest man ever and he can actually jump through universes because of his speed. Yeah. And you, you, you reduce him to someone who falls in the, the bosoms of fucking Wonder Woman. Yeah. And like, oh, sorry, like... that. It's, it, it's become it, it definitely did not sit right with a lot of the other f- scenes do you think mm. the problem is that Josh Whedon wasn't a DC Universe fan to begin with yeah so you, th- he- you think it was sabotaged on purpose from his point of view because I just saw the, the 2017 release as like the, the stepchild the MCU never wanted <laughs> like, yeah. Just, yeah go off to the D, DCEU mm. and, and, and flourish because that's what it kind of felt because you still had some mm serious moments in there um 
from Zack Schneider, some of the original cuts. But then, yeah, just the peppering of these, like, just out of context jokes. And maybe you're right. Maybe he just hates DC. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Did, think uh, he loves the characters in would, the same way as he loves the Avengers. Is that he doesn't like Buffy. it or is he being complacent? I think there was an element of he was doing the job for hire. Okay. And okay. he saw it as more of a just a hired gun type assignment than anything else he'd ever done in his whole career. Sure. Okay, well, let me, let me just... Just phoning it in, basically. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, mm. let's get it back onto Zack Snyder a bit more. I just want to throw something in uh, because you mentioned about his composition and visual style and I was trying to uh, talk about the introduction. Do you think Zack Snyder relies a bit too heavily on slow motion and uh, extended scenes to <laughs> make <laughs> his point yes. in his film? That's the understatement of the year. <laughs> <laughs> that's the coldest take you've yeah. ever had on this I mean, podcast the, like Zack Snyder's whole style it's like moving through treacle isn't it that's like literally the, uh, I know <laughs> but it, the, the thing is it's like character turns on the tap and Zack Snyder's like, like <laughs> droplets of water coming out <laughs> opening the car door yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> she thinks it's like that in his house <laughs> so I'll just go to the kitchen <laughs> 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 Opening a beer. <laughs> exactly. So, so basically, it was really good that he kind of used the slow motion freeze frame in the beginning of the film, but just kind of take your finger off the button so we can just let it let it play and see like a quicker film with more impact in real time, so to speak. I swear to God, editors yeah. have build more overtime <laughs> in all history working with Zack Snyder than any other director. Yeah. Editor knows, oh shit, I'm going to be here for the next two months slow, yeah, yeah. slowing down every single fucking shot yeah. <laughs> to oblivion. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like uh, the ultimate Zack Snyder title would be like slow-mo dot dot oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, we, we know where we stand there. Um, another thing I wanted to kind of address about the Zack Snyder cut or the Snyder release and um, I mean, I particularly enjoy seeing uh, black characters get to play uh, larger scale characters or larger than life characters and you don't often see or up until probably the Black Panther era you don't get often get to see uh, black characters play superheroes so we've got Cyborg in the mix now and um in the Justice League, he was basically just the computer gadget two guy. Seven, two thousand seventeen, yeah, yeah two thousand seventeen. Yeah. Cyborg, he was like the highest, highest tech guy in the in the in the van. So he was speak. the person in the chair, but yeah, he was the, a the whole fucking chair. robot. Yeah, <laughs> and now he's got two different dynamics going on, which is in a Zack Snyder's cut, which is let's say he's got more time to breathe. We get to see more of his power. And perhaps some people say he's overpowered now in this version. And we get to see uh, more of his backstory or the emotional story that he has with his father. So um, to address the um, the first bit, I mean, there was one really good scene where you first see his power where he tries to um, connect to a network or the internet. And he does something where he, he knows he can move into any bank account that he wants. And he puts like, I don't know, 5000 or $10,000 into a woman's bank account who's down to her last $11. I mean, what did you think about what Cyborg was now allowed to do in the ZSJL universe? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the justification for opening it out is the kind of ancillary characters. If we can call Cyborg an ancillary character, I guess he is because he's not the Holy Trinity. Yeah, You know, it's those characters get time to breathe. And I think I enjoyed more Cyborg the most of all the characters got opened out. Sure, sure, sure. I, I definitely feel that that was one of 
the most damning indictments from Josh Whedon that he he basically like shredded he up. He didn't it. like those characters. Yeah. He didn't like Cyborg or The Flash, yeah. which is yeah, why he yeah. relegated them. Mm. Absolutely. And then you see what was supposed to happen with Cyborg. He was the central character yeah. in this whole Justice League because I think what Zack Schneider, to his credit, tried to do, he said, come on, guys, you know who Batman is, you know who Superman is, you know who Wonder Woman mm. is. Because uh, they have Not their... least because he walked us through. Now let me bring you... Because another thing... There was no, and there is no uh, uh, solo film on the horizon for Cyborg. There sure. is a solo film for Flash. Yeah. So you really? don't have to uh, uh, flash out um, his, his character mm. so much. We've just seen a, a, a Batman versus Superman film. Mm. and obviously We really a, don't need another one of exactly, those. Yeah. We, we don't need to see We're getting guys, another one anyway, but we really don't need mm. one. Yeah, exactly. And mm. we, we've, we've seen all that. We've, we don't know who Cyborg is and we've never seen him being committed to screen. We've seen him in animations, which yeah. is great, but we need to see a live action version. I think mm. that that's not spoken about enough for me in terms of Zack Schneider bringing this guy into yeah. the center and saying, yeah, he is the most important thing yeah, yeah. In, in this film. I thought that was quite nice. Because it created a bit more balance as opposed to this is either a detective story because Batman's in it or it's a, a muscle and gut story because Superman's in it. Now okay, you've got so to... can I ask you a question, MKH? Given that, are the people who ask for a Schneider cut, are they right? I, I think the way they went about it wasn't very nice. I think they became... There, there was lots of things happening that was on the, on the border of being harassment and basically cyber terrorism like basically stalking all of these executives say you need to release the fucking show yeah, like yeah. It, it became very toxic mm. in its masculinity and almost incel adjacent yeah right sure but i mean it was like dude, a swarm of people like just bomb just bombing and spamming any warner brother post with release the Snyder yeah Cut. exactly yeah. and i think do the ends justify the means i'm not sure that's yeah. a hard one. But I think yeah. it is great that the... I, I, I liked that portrayal of... Um, I must of, say, in all honesty, Star the Schneider Cut exceeded my expectations. Yeah. Having yeah. seen Batman v Superman, which I still maintain is one of the worst films I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't believe anyone would watch that and think, yeah, we want more Jack Schneider. Yeah, no, yeah. you know what? I, I, I actually watched that in the cinema. And the only thing that... I would say I liked about that film was the Batman fight scene, but then they released it as a trailer anyway. We saw that complete scene on yeah. the internet before that film was even released. Sure. So, yeah, it was a hard watch, Batman v Superman. But again, with the Schneider cut, I, I felt myself quite engrossed in it. Yeah. And it I, was... I, I Is that because was, of the fight? Um, was that because now you got to see his relationship with his father and what he'd lost in as being... As as he took on the superhero mantle, it it, it, it doesn't hurt a guy um, being typecast as the robot guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> From Terminator Two, uh, yeah, I think they they you could see in 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 that um, edit that they actually wanted to be on set. Yeah, I think everyone wanted to be on set. That from what the I could see, performances yeah. were definitely better. I yeah, mean, especially Ben Affleck yeah. who had completely mm. checked out in the previous film yeah yeah and um spoiler alerts ben affleck actually comes back at yeah. the end for post-credit scenes yeah. not only with martian manhunter yeah but also with um jared leto's joker <laughs> and this is a very interesting crossover point uh, that i'd like to make as well because there were many 
additional scenes or perhaps extended scenes that alluded to sequels and spin-offs and alternate timelines. So do you feel Zack Snyder's um, Justice League benefited from the additional scenes that potentially laid the groundwork or opened up timelines and doors to other stories? Well, I, I think that's all going to be corrected during the, f the Flashpoint film. I think they're going to erase everything about Schneider. They're going to say that's in the universe over there right. and then Nolan universe is over there yeah. and then the Burton universe is over there. Okay. So they're going to basically... So basically, Zack Snyder's Justice League basically Google mapped yeah. um, the DC extended universe so there will be no more arguments. Yeah, for that timeline. Mm. But I think they're going to move on without him after f the, the new Flash film that's coming out. Sure. I think... That, I think there'll never be a way they can reconcile all of the DC films and yeah. they shouldn't even try. I mean, why do you want to remember Suicide Squad? Forget about Suicide Squad. Mm. Well, they did kind of retcon it with the Suicide Squad, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. That is the way to retcon something. Yeah. Just put the yeah. on the beginning. <laughs> we should probably be called the Geek Sweat yeah. before the next yeah. season. <laughs> I'm writing that down now. Um, well, moving forward, because there's been so much stuff to tackle. Um, the other thing, um, going back to like small devices, small bits and pieces in the story, um, the mother boxes, uh, which is a strange thing that I never knew about, never heard about. Um, it was revealed that when Superman dies at the hands of Doomsday, he lets out a scream that travels across the world and he actually awakens the mother box. And this is where the Justice League concludes that the mother boxes must have feared Superman and saw his death as the perfect chance to call in Steppenwolf and conquer Earth. And Well, not just Superman. I think they fear Kryptonians. Okay, that's good. But yeah. he is the last Kryptonian. Yeah, he is the last yeah. Kryptonian. That's why. But the issue yeah. is, do you feel the mother boxes needed to be brought in and to be made sense of? Or do you think that's uh, Zack Snyder going over the top again? You want to take this first, Dom? Dom? I, I think it would have been possible to allude to that rather than showing it, but obviously he was going to go all in. That yeah. was the entire point of the Schneider cut is to go all in and schnow us. Schnow us? Schnow us. Schneider schnows us. It's a tongue twister. Show us the everything. It's just all out there. That's the entire point. The length is the point. The spectacle is the point. Yeah. Because the thing is, I think it gave uh, a bit more nuance and meaning to the purpose of Cyborg as well. Because I think in the original Justice League, or the, the Justice League, J-O-S-S, whatever you want to call it, um, it, it's like the only thing that we really know Cyborg can do is that he's got a um, self-protection defense system that automatically gets triggered when Superman's present. But now we get to see him like interact and engage with devices and see his like wider purpose of why he might even go off planet with the Justice League and be of use to them as well. Um, I don't know if he would be great off planet, but that's the point of, of Cyborg in the comments that he yeah. can plug into every single device on the planet. Like there's, n there's nothing, there's no device that he can't get into. Yeah. So that was, that was properly reflected in the film. Um, I think in terms of the, the mother boxes being introduced, I, I didn't mind them. And I think it gave a reason and it gave proper motivation for Seven Wolf, yeah. even though we got a also... Uh, I guess mention the fact that Steppenwolf looks completely different and he actually looks like a threat and he looks like 
and they ter- they augmented his voice as well yeah. to kind of give it a bit more um, reverberation. Yeah, so like he he definitely looked like something someone you could fear as opposed to the Justice League yeah. where he was just crying about my mother boxes, give yeah. me my mother boxes. Yeah. Justice Le- Justice League's <laughs> yeah. uh, Steppenwolf was like theater performance, well, uh, theater st- stage fear at Steppenwolf. Yeah. No, what they said also they I saw a critique where they said he was basically um, from Arrested Development, <laughs> the younger son, like, mother, mother. <laughs> <laughs> that that was basically what he was doing. But yeah, I think. Uh, Steppenwolf had proper motivation. He wanted to get yeah. back in the good graces of 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 Doomsday. No, not Doomsday. Dark side. Yeah, Darkseid. You're getting me mixed up. Yeah. Now. <laughs> but there was also the, the the level of hierarchy as well because in the first one, Darkseid doesn't really make an appearance. He doesn't until, appear at all. Uh, last mm. last minute one on one fight with uh, Superman, which he kind of just punches him out after two or three things. So it looks more like a bar fight mm. than an intergalactic mm. superhero comic book fight. Whereas like now. It, with the, obviously he's got the affordable time but there's a reason for that because now we need to see the consequences because Steppenwolf is kind of like he's a he's a he's a bad guy trying to he's a good guy in a sense trying to do a bad thing so he can mm. be seen as a good guy in the eyes of another bad guy because really it's not Steppenwolf's mission to get the mother boxes it's Darkseid's mission but Darkseid mm. is like put hell uh, uh, fire and brimstone and on his demands of Steppenwolf and Steppenwolf has to kind of live up to the expectation so he can be free and be given the respect that he deserves as as it were. Can I I just say that the funniest plot point from the Schneider Cup for me is that (laughs) Darkseid got such an arse whooping on Earth (laughs) that he actually literally forgot what planet it was when he left the mother boxes (laughs) where he left that sign in the ground he's like Jesus Christ I got my ass (laughs) so badly I never want to remember that planet (laughs) it just blacked out yeah Yeah. he probably blacked out and then it was (laughs) it was Stephanie said yeah you left the mother boxes here (laughs) and here's the insignia in the ground that you left as well yeah oh shit that's where it was can you imagine that the guy went to a thousand planets yeah and he still couldn't find earth yeah uh, you know you know what there was some so much weird stuff in, in it and it's like i also winced a little bit for the green lantern fans as well because the way they got taken out <laughs> in their little battle scene and i'm thinking and I, I don't mean to undermine that green lantern character but like they've got the force of the uh the green ring and it's like you'd think they would last longer than like a 30 second uh, cutaway clip in a fight wow, scene. Wow, poor old Green Lantern fans, eh? Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> at yet least... to be fully justified. Yeah, but maybe they were just, I don't know, killing off the Ryan Reynolds timeline. But the thing is, at least they got a chance in the sun, as it were, of um, the Justice League story. The battle for Earth. Yeah. I, and also, can I just say, it's absolutely hilarious that um, obviously the Amazonians put their box in a very fo- like heavily fortified uh, uh, dome, shall we say. Yeah. Um, obviously the um, uh, who's the guys underwater? Aquaman, Atlanteans. Yeah, Atlanteans had it in this box, which was guarded by people, and um, the humans laid it under two inches of dirt. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the protection for their yeah. mother bot. So yeah, yeah, bye. Yeah, it's almost like we were asking for it, wasn't exactly. it? Yeah. And the Atlanteans and the Amazons just like said, we don't want any part of this fight, oh. which was actually one of the um, criticisms of... Um, Zack Snyder's Justice League is that the Atlantans, Atlanteans or Atlantans and the Amazons don't immediately step into the fight against Steppenwolf. They're kind of dragged into it by by invasion, as it were. Yeah, and I, I guess going by the history of their relationship with human beings, that's why they didn't step into it straight away. Because I think yeah. at that point, they're still seen as 
uh, they're still hiding themselves from the world. It's basically mm. um, DC's uh, equivalent of Wakanda, like hiding itself underneath a dome, even though we've got all this technology and this vibranium yeah. and shit like that. We just don't want to share it with the world just yet. And we don't want to expose ourselves to what comes with admitting to the world, like we're this powerful mm. and stuff like that. Because in all honesty, the um, Atlanteans should be fucking fighting with the land already. Like the amount of pollution they put into the water. Yeah. Like, what's <laughs> happening there? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I understand why they didn't get into the fight straight away. Okay, well, uh, before Gio glares at me anymore, I just want to kind of wrap this up with a, a slightly more um, practical question. And it's a, based on a little bit of history. Um, I'm a big fan of the uh, film Blade Runner uh, by Ridley Scott. Uh, I think it originally came out in 1982 and then it kept coming out every three or four years because there was uh, disagreements between a director and a studio about what type of cut should come out. So there's been the cinema cut, the studio cut, uh, which I think had the narration on it at the end. And there's also been uh, the final cut and then the director's cut, which was the finally approved, this is Ridley Scott giving everything that he wanted people to see about Blade Runner. Should directors be given second chances to release films in the way that they want to release films? Good question. Um, well, first of all, I guess it's only fair to say I don't see Zack Schneider as a visionary director like Ridley Scott. And honestly, I find it surprising that lots of people do. I don't get it. I don't see it. He's good at visuals, but that's it. His stories are incoherent if he doesn't have the anchor of a good script written by someone else. Sure. Do you think it might be an age group thing why Zack Snyder's been pushed up there? Because maybe uh, Ridley Scott, I'm just going to try and find him on IMDb. I think he's not been known for the science fiction epic over the last maybe like 10 or 15 years. Right. Compared to That's somebody true. like... That's true. Uh, uh, sorry, Zack Snyder's been on the edge of every... Uh, big budget film there's been. But then there are other younger directors of that calibre as well, like Denis Villeneuve, if I'm saying that right. Yeah. Director Villeneuve, of June. I think, yeah. He's, I would say, a visionary Antoine, director. Legacy. Yeah. Far more than Zack Schneider is. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, what, what was the original but question? The, the original question is, should directors get a second chance? I think it depends, really. Sometimes directors do a director's cut and it actually ruins the film. Yeah. Like um, I saw the director's cut of Donnie Darko, which yeah. over-explains the science fiction elements. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it I actually becomes a far less effective film. And I think there was another release after that to kind of correct the additional extended information that was put in Donnie Darko. And then it became like... Why why Just do let this? let it go. Yeah. I don't think the director of that, Richard Kelly, he ever recovered from that. Because yeah. um, beforehand, people were really excited about his films. And yeah. then over-explaining it made him look banal. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I don't think his reputation's ever recovered. And I think those films ended up as like Guardian, Sun Saturday newspaper Guardian, like inserts as a freebie, as opposed to like being released on uh, TV as this is the director's cut, you know? Some chip paper. Yeah. Um, I would say morally, you should just have the director put out the film how they want to. Yeah. But realistically, when you got a studio behind you mm. uh, pushing all this money, like if if you want, if you if, if as a director you want your vision to be actually seen, mm. do it independently, fund it yeah. yourself. If you're going to Warner Brothers, once Warner Brothers gets the film. They can do what the fuck they want because they funded right. it. 
And I think that's... You so just, your mother, you made your bed, you lie in it, no second chances. Yeah, if you want to work with Warner Brothers, yeah. you're, you're, and you're not Christopher Nolan, yeah. like, just fucking, like, you still got paid for the work. So yeah, right, fuck it, like, yeah. do what you want with it. Yeah. I put my name to it. I should have known before I got in bed with you guys. No take backs. Yeah, no take... No, exactly. I, I think the only reason we even got to see this film is because comic book fans are probably the most victual, the most uh, toxic and the most uh, harassment filled mm. community on the planet. So well yeah, done yeah. guys. You did it. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. But like, like, like King Dom's already alluded to, he's not a revolutionary uh, director. No one, no one's screaming to see, um, uh, Zach Snyder's take. So no one's no one in the history of human beings has said, "Oh, fucking you know, Imagine what Zach Snyder could have done with that script." Yeah, yeah. no one says that. Like you know, watching two thousand and one, and you're like, yeah. "Damn it! I wish Snyder got a shot at this." Yeah, yeah, exactly. No one says that. So I think he's very fortunate that he managed to find a corner of the market which has very toxic mm. fans who would do anything for yeah. you, essentially. And that's why he's been able to go to Netflix and release a triage. No, I was mm. going to say a trilogy of fucked up zombie films that make absolutely no sense. Yeah, he he says three of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's got a free free picture Army deal. Army of the Dead is one of them. Yeah, yeah I think got, it's the first of three. Yeah, yeah, he's got a free picture deal, and you and you just see that he's quite fortunate in what he picks because if if he wanted to pick a film for for his artistic and it's and it's and it's written for no no one's going to want him as no one's going to attach him as a director but he like okay. attaches to properties like a crutch you know yeah. dawn of the dead was a remake yeah. and then 300 was an established comic by yeah. frank miller he was reproducing the artistic style of frank miller and watchmen and watchmen he was reproducing <laughs> well he yeah. was doing frame, frame by, by frame yeah exactly yeah. page by page isn't it like yeah, yeah. Like, and and that's what he does because he's not as we've already said many times in this mm. In this episode, he doesn't get story or writing. He needs yeah. to go to more established writers, mm. better writers, to be able to uh, put their vision on yeah. the big screen. Yeah, I mean, the point I, I, I want to make, and I think you guys might agree with me this, is um, I think Zack Snyder's Justice League stands for if you give one director a job to do, let him finish the job. And... I think hashtag release the Snyder Cut now stands for every and any director can now have a backdoor excuse of, well, it wasn't the way I wanted it to be. There's more footage here that would do this to the film because everyone must know that no feature film is four hours or two hours and two minutes of raw footage. There's always extra material. And I think hashtag release the Snyder Cut has probably opened the door to any director saying, well, that's not my cut or the way I wanted it. Well, it, 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 I think directors say that quite a lot. I think, um, so Joe Schumacher after Batman and Robin, he was said, that's a fucking disaster, that <laughs> film. So yeah, I think directors have been saying that, but I don't think any other director is going to be able to release yeah. their, their version of events sure. in the same way that Zack Snyder got. Honestly, I'd rather see a Joel Schumacher cut <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, I think they've always had that excuse, but yeah, I don't think they're gonna get the opportunity to release that cut in, in the in the sense. Okay. So um Zack Snyder's Justice League I think has usurped or overtaken the Justice League. Um but to just end on a final note, do we say long live release the Snyder cut and the potential to petition 
director's cuts of films or does that need to be thumbs down dead in the water um well the schneider cut did exceed my expectations i thought it would be a completely pointless exercise but contrary to that for some of the reasons we've talked about not least expanding the role of cyborg there was a point for it Mm. but in a wider context i'm still wary of this like fan power to petition Mm. for whatever fans want because Mm. yeah it's just a strange one isn't it because um the film itself was unexpectedly good, but the trend of harassment mm. and never being able to draw a line under anything isn't mm. necessarily that positive. Yeah. So, okay, the Schneider Cut worked out, but let's leave it there. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for that, Kingdom. Um, I think uh, that's, I mean, I totally agree with everything you said, MKH and Kingdom. So I'd probably say, um, yeah. Zack Snyder's Justice League more than Joss Whedon's just Justice League but also one punch man when it comes to director's cuts you've got one take and you're out and uh, let's move on so uh, thanks for joining us on the Hot Topic uh, really appreciate your time at Kingdom thank you and thanks for coming back and taking your time away from the MKH cut MKH uh, you're very welcome <laughs> Uh, That's been Geek Sweat. Uh, You've been our listeners. Uh, Thank you for listening and we appreciate your time.